Welcome to Hunter and Craft Radio. What's up, guys? Evan Lewis back with another episode of Hunter and Craft Radio. Sorry, I've been away for a couple weeks. 2016's been crazy so far, but really excited about this episode today with my good friend Pavel Barber. If you don't know Pavel, you should watch his videos. He's incredible, one of the most talented uh, guys I've ever met, and he has blown up in the last couple years on YouTube and on Instagram for his hockey videos. This is a really fun episode. You're going to enjoy it. Here's Pavel. Barbs, how you doing today, my friend? I'm good, dude. Never better. How you been? <laughs> Fantastic, buddy. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to uh, to chat with me today. It's been uh, been a while since we caught up, um, but uh, this is going to be a really fun discussion. So, some really core things to go through today. Obviously, want to get uh, get a sense of what your life has been like over the last couple of years. Uh, Building your, you know, your personal brand as Pavel Barber, your YouTube presence and Instagram, uh, a lot of great marketing and entrepreneurial lessons uh, to dive into. Super excited to catch up. But uh, for anyone who hasn't heard of you or who doesn't know, you know, what Pavel Barber is all about, I'd love if you could just give us a sense of uh, who you are, where you came from, and where you're at today. Yeah, I think you know, plain and simple. I'm just a guy who loves hockey. Uh, couldn't live without it so it's it's something where it's it's really important to keep the game close to me and keep getting better at it because the better you get the more you enjoy it and I always dreamed of doing something after high school where I could keep the game close to me as well as give back to the game that gave me so much so to be able to uh, give kids the ability to get better at the game uh, really uh, is is pretty special to me so um, I think the the whole thing that drives everything is just the the passion factor, really passionate about the game. Every time I'm out there, it's pretty amazing getting on the ice and, and doing what I love for a living and just to be able to give back is uh, pretty special. For sure. So in terms of how you got into, uh, you mentioned that after high school, you know, you, we, we played high school hockey, or we played uh, hockey together in the GTHL for what, at least eight years, right? And uh, yeah. I'd love to, if you could walk, uh, walk the listeners through, you know, your evolution your experience um with hockey in high school and then you know where that took you obviously into um some of the field hockey stuff and then what you're doing kind of day-to-day um these days with pavel barber yeah yeah my my life took a pretty weird path so like yeah in, in high school i was playing gthl uh north york knights and really just enjoying it i've been i was on that team uh with you for yeah it was eight years it was really cool because you keep a lot of the same guys and just enjoying that. And then uh, when I was 18 years old and, and hockey was coming to an end, minor hockey was coming to an end, uh, that is when I took up field hockey. I just played field hockey in this tournament, kind of an excuse to just get out of school. <laughs> so I took that opportunity because I didn't like school uh, very much and um, uh, played in a tournament and this guy thought I was pretty good. Uh, I thought the sport was pretty dumb, so I kind of ignored him for a year and then uh, played again next year. And then he was like, seriously, you got to pursue this and decided to take it up, uh, take him up on it, started training with him, made team Ontario and then tried out for team Canada for a couple of years, traveling to Vancouver and didn't make it. 
And then finally, on the third uh, year, I ended up making Team Canada, traveling around, playing for my country uh, for a couple of years there. So that was when I was started playing with that team when I was 21 years old. Um, so that was like, kind of a weird thing. And I was still playing hockey for fun on the side, uh, under 21 AAA in the GTHL. But uh, that was just uh, kind of for fun, just to keep the game going for me. When did you first start making these, you know, stick handling and kind of dangle videos? Uh, I first started those in, I'm going to say, yeah, it was 2013. So not, not too long ago. It, it kind of started, I, I had a job. I luckily like got a job at UBC to work on the ice. It was like really lucky to, to get a job on the ice. I, I knew a buddy there and uh, during free time on the ice, I'd always shoot on my goalie friend there. And one day we decided to, to shoot a video of me shooting on him and it, it turned out to be pretty cool and he he came up with the idea to put it on youtube it wasn't even my idea and i was like oh, okay cool so ended up putting it up on youtube and it got a pretty good response and uh we, you know we it kind of just stemmed from there it was you know something people wanted more of so we kept making those and then i found ways to you know i didn't want to just make cool videos i wanted to help so I started making stick handling tutorials and shooter tutorials and and all that stuff. So that's where it really kind of started. And where's that uh, sit now today? So I was just looking at your YouTube channel. You're about, you know, fifty-four thousand subscribers. I think you just you just crushed two hundred thousand subscribers uh, followers on Instagram. Like, what's kind of the state of your business right now? What are you, you know, spending most of your time on? How's how's Pavel Barber evolved since you know the early days in 2013? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh in the early stages, it was all about, you know, just kind of getting my name out there and getting people who uh, shared my passion for the game involved in, in viewing it. Uh, the whole goal of the YouTube channel became uh, to become a platform where people who love the game can celebrate the game by working hard to get better at the game. So that's how it kind of started. And then through uh, after, like, you know, YouTube was getting pretty popular, people were sharing it eventually. Um, and then when Instagram came on, it was absolutely perfect for what I do. Cause there's just like short clips of, you know, cool shootout moves that people had never seen before. And that's kind of a staple of what I've been successful with is just doing something that no one's ever done before. Always trying to be different, taking the, uh, the unpopular route or the, you know, the, something that's never been done. So you go around Instagram and you look at what people with big hockey accounts are doing you try and separate yourself from that and give people something they've never seen before. So that's always something, you know, when I'm looking around for videos, I'm trying to find things I haven't seen before. I get pretty bored when I see the same highlight all the time. So that's kind of where I was going with it. And, uh, I think people responded pretty well. People enjoy it and, uh, just trying to keep going strong with that. Awesome, buddy. And in terms of kind of managing your day to day, I mean, I obviously follow all of your channels and there's a tremendous amount of content going out across all the different <laughs> channels. So I'm sure you've learned a, a lot of uh, good hacks in terms of, you know, publishing and distribution and that type of thing. But how do you manage that all, you know, day to day? Do you have a, uh, you know, a few people that help you with, you know, both the social posting and video editing or what's kind of your, uh, your process and your, your team, I guess, look like for getting a lot of that out? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, my, my team is actually my followers. So I actually get a whole lot of uh, help from them. 
Um, you know, people, whenever people see like a, a, a dangle that, uh, from a league that people don't normally watch, uh, they'll direct message me on Instagram or, or tweet, tweet at me on Twitter. So it, it's really cool because, you know, like the goal at the start, like I said, was to build a community of people who wanted to celebrate the game with me. And they, my followers are the ones who were helping me grow. I have no team really uh, behind me. That's not to say I don't have a really strong support system. Like my sister's probably my biggest supporter, helped me out a lot. <laughs> but in terms of uh, posting stuff, you know, that's all me, um, you know, just using my phone or uh, looking up stuff on YouTube. I'm a pretty big nerd in that way. I always love just like searching up hockey highlights, like nonstop looking at Facebook and Twitter and, and YouTube, looking at stuff just to see like, cool cool content i've never seen and uh, I, lo I love sharing it you know i love pushing it out and, and showing people stuff they haven't seen before so do you use any tools then you mentioned obviously a lot of it's on your phone since you're on the go all the time but do you have any um like scheduling tools or like different social media platforms that help you kind of scale that um that outreach and those postings uh, in terms of scheduling, sometimes I use the Facebook scheduler. Uh, I've heard I should be using Hootsuite, but I never, <laughs> I've never used it yet. <laughs> or probably make my life a bit easier. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of tools I use, you know, I, I, the only things I really use are like, you know, Twitter video downloaders and, you know, Vine video downloaders and Instagram video downloaders so that whatever I get, I can, you know, pull it from someone's thing and then give them credit for it if I do decide to post it but in terms of scheduling and stuff like that it's all kind of just done uh right on the spot i like just pushing stuff out right when i see it and uh no, no real method to the madness in terms of when i post to get you know the most amount of likes like i'll, I'll, I'll throw out a post at 1 a.m if i see a cool dangle i'm not going to wait till the next day i just want to <laughs> kind of get stuff out as quick as i can hmm. And in terms of, you know, when you do put a post out, right, like let's say on Instagram, I know you've, you've done a lot of interesting things with um, saying, you know, posing uh, questions to your audience, saying tag a friend and different things like that. What are some of the best ways you've found to, you know, attract those eyeballs to kind of, you know, amplify the reach of a post um, through, you know, d different tactics? Like what are, what are some of the best ways that you've seen, um, you, you know, your followers grow or you know move the needle with your different pieces of content yeah i think it's uh it's funny like at first i started off with uh you know positive tags so i, yeah. I saw a lot of people like saying like you know tag a, a bender and stuff like that <laughs> but then people would tag their friends and people would be like fuck you i'm not a bender and, you know, you had, a, had, a very, had a very negative tone to it and i want to keep everything positive so it was like positive tags so you know like you see a really cool dangle and you say like you know, tag a friend who works really hard on his hands or, or something like that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a way of, you know, whenever there's a tag there, that's a compliment to the person instead of demeaning them. Mm -hmm. So starting off with that, just to keep everything clean and positive and stuff like that. And then uh, it evolved where I saw my biggest growth was reaching out to uh, non-hockey fans while posting hockey related videos. So, mm -hmm. you know, like when I, when I post all the cool dangles and stuff like that, those are hockey hockey nuts who are going to love and tag people that way. But when you see a guy throw a, a, a beer bottle from the stands and hit the referee square in the nuts, uh, <laughs> that's something where like, you know, a, a guy who doesn't watch hockey or a girl who doesn't watch hockey will tag their friends and just be like, Hey, look at this, you know, funny video and, and stuff like that. So 
that kind of is the thing I've I've used to broaden my uh, I guess my my followership is mm-hmm. kind of reaching out to people who are both hockey fans, but also people who just enjoy to have a good laugh or or stuff like that. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about the business of being a YouTuber, because I mean, that obviously you're a, um, you have your training business, but you are a you know a professional YouTuber, as they say, right? So let's break down for me kind of the mechanics of what that looks like. Uh, so you're at you know fifty four thousand subscribers right now. If you know someone's looking to get into that type of field, how does that work with you know, like rev shares in terms of advertising and things like that. Like if you could just kind of break down the economics of being a YouTuber at a high level, that would be super interesting. Yeah. Uh, being a YouTuber at the start isn't super glamorous in terms <laughs> of the, the, mo- the money you make. Uh, you know, I'm not living in a castle here. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're kind of, you're plugging away and you're pushing out content. And it, it's really when you're getting like hundreds of thousands of views where you can truly say, you know, you live off of YouTube, uh, the money you get, like I won't get into dollar values and stuff like that. But at the start, it's a very uh, slow process to really get the wheels going. Um, in, in terms of, you know, advertising, you see like uh, advertisements in front of videos. Say if you watch five videos, you might see one ad in front of it. That's really how the revenue is generated per, uh, per video. So per video, so you can like skip the ad or click the ad and stuff. So it's it's through Google AdSense is the thing that it's called, and that's really what pays uh, the YouTubers uh, for their content. But companies can reach out to you and say, like, hey, we'll give you, you know, this amount of money if you use our training aid or if you shout out our, our product in your video, like kind of product placement-wise and stuff. So, you know, I, I get a lot of offers like that. For me right now, I think it's important to uh, grow my brand more uh, before I start to uh, – selling out if you will uh you know in terms of of that i like um you know repping products that i truly care about uh, about and actually use uh it's something that's pretty important to me uh in terms of you know why i got into doing youtube in the first place i don't want to lose my voice i want to you know people to take what i say seriously and know that i'm not just paid to say things about a certain product but that's certainly a way uh you know in the future where you can uh, make money off of it and, uh, you know, eventually, you know, you can get offers like I recently got one from uh, GoPro. So I'm doing six GoPro videos for them, uh, you know, and they, they pay you per per video. So there's very, very, uh, very big opportunities down the road if you, you know, plug away at it and just make sure the quality of what you're doing uh, stays high. Gotcha. Um, I want to dig into the, uh, I guess, the back end of being a YouTuber and that's some of that stuff you mentioned with like video ads and things like that because that's something that not a lot of people would ever get exposure to, right? So how does that work? Let's say, you know, someone watches five ads or five videos on your YouTube channel um, and then that, let's say, you know, a video for GoPro or an ad for GoPro comes up or something like that. Do you have any say as the owner of the channel into, you know, which companies' ads can show up on your video feeds? Like, how does that work? Uh, I don't believe so. I haven't done too much research into it, but uh, for, to my knowledge, you, you don't control the ads that are placed on your videos, but they are strategically placed. So if my my channel is a hockey-related channel, 
it'll kind of be the same kind of ads I guess you see when you're watching um you know for beer and for trucks and, <laughs> and stuff like that um but uh, I don't I don't have any control over the uh the specific ads that are placed on my videos in terms of the videos that sh- that do show up is that uh how does it work with the frequency of the viewership so you know if you uh, if, are there certain thresholds in the back end where you know if you have 20,000 subscribers then you know, you're, um, it, I guess, accelerates because you're getting, you know, uh, more views and therefore more ads get shown. Like, how do those, how does it kind of increase, I guess? How has it changed for you from, say, you know, 10,000 followers to, you know, 54,000 followers? Have you seen a pretty dramatic, you know, increase in both the ad revenue and the viewership? Yeah, I, I, I don't think the amount of ads uh, on your videos are more. I could be wrong on that again. I <laughs> honestly haven't done too much research on that end. But uh, I do know you can control the uh, duration of the ads and whether you have ads that people are allowed to hit uh, the skip ad button on or if they have to watch the 30 seconds. So obviously you can make more money if you go with the option where people have to watch the full 30 second advertisement but youtube warns you that you know if you do have that then chances are that people are gonna not view the video or at least you'll have less viewership because people don't want to watch a 30 second ad so you do have that kind of control if you uh want to make want to make a little bit more money on your videos you can choose to put a full 30 second ad and not allow people to hit skip advertisement Gotcha. <clears throat> Let's dig into uh, working with channel partners. You mentioned the GoPro stuff, and that's it's so funny looking back on you know your very first kind of partnership, I think, which was with uh, with X Hockey Products, because I remember you sending me a message about that, you know, probably uh, at least three years ago, saying you know, hey, these guys approached me. Uh, what are your thoughts on this partnership? And that's something that you've done brilliantly uh, with. Yeah, you know, starting with X Hockey Products and really helping them build their brand uh, to you know GoPro and Bar Down. So I'd love to if you could just speak a little bit about um, how that's helped you um, and some of the best lessons you've learned on you know building your brand with the help of channel partners. Yeah, I thought the when X Hockey Products approached me, you know, it was Bryce Salvador who was in the NHL at the time. Uh, whenever an NHLer approaches you to help out with a hockey training company, you get pretty excited, uh, especially for me in the early stages of my YouTube career. It was incredible. I remember being young, uh, not necessarily being able to afford like training aids and stuff, but dreaming about like, you know, using them and, and stuff. So their training aids and using them was, was beneficial to me because it just gave me uh, a new platform to share my passion on as well as you know, uh, another channel to make helpful videos out for people who wanted to get better at the game using the X hockey products training aids. Um, and then like, you know, we started making a lot of videos for them and I'm still doing videos for myself. And then GoPro reaches out to me, uh, which was super funny because I applied for a, a, a GoPro sponsorship like a month before they contacted me and they didn't even read my GoPro sponsorship <laughs> application. So uh, you know, you, you, you get that e- email and it's, it, it's totally insane because I remember three years ago buying my first GoPro and it being the most amazing thing ever. And all of a sudden they're shipping you eight GoPros and all the camera <laughs> gear and then paying you to make videos. And 
uh, I, I don't know if people fully realize how like overwhelming that is to a guy like me coming from my background, uh, get all this stuff. It's, it's certainly something I don't take for granted. It's, it's, it's crazy to think I have all these cameras and all this gear to make videos for all these people. Uh, it, it blows my mind every day. So, uh, the GoPro stuff, we haven't released any videos yet, but that's going to be a massive platform for me to, uh, uh, expand my brand because we've done I did two videos for them already they'll be released one's going to be released before the NHL season that's mm. with me and Aito Aguchi this kid from uh, Japan that I train <laughs> um, and uh, just from the you know the channel on GoPro they have millions of followers uh, on uh, both Instagram and YouTube so something like that when you can get in with a brand like that that's when you've really uh, you know started started to make a make an imprint so that's going to be i think the biggest thing when those videos get out to to help me grow my brand a bit more <laughs> love it buddy i love the uh so humble but it literally all this could never uh could never happen to a nicer guy so it's uh i mean you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be happier for it and all this stuff and uh you know it's so nice to hear you just staying very true to the focus on quality content and entertainment because that's something that I, you know, really um, focus on with all of my projects. So, I mean, even this, like we started talking about all this hockey stuff back in, you know, the mind puck days. Um, and that was all about just similar to what you're doing, but at a much smaller scale, just circulating entertaining content. Right. And that's now with, yeah. uh, with the Hunter and craft stuff. I don't even, I mean, we're, we're in super early stages in terms of, you know, subscribership or anything like that. But at the end of the day, if if you focus on the content and making sure that you're providing content that people can learn from and that's that's educational, it's going to add value to their day to day. Then, realistically, um, you know the, the chips are going to fall as they may, and hopefully the subs subscribership will come naturally. But regardless of that, you know you can be proud of the work um, that uh, that you're doing, and I'm sure. The, one of the best parts for you must be, you know, the fan um, outreach, I guess, right? Tell me, tell us a little bit about that and like, you know, the kind of stuff that you um, get from fans. I know you get like, you probably get like <laughs> fan mail and people are doing, you know, creating images of you and all this crazy stuff. Like, uh, tell me some of the best, uh, some of the best stories you've got on like, you know, um, fan interactions you've had. Man, the absolute best thing for me was my first video, my first fan video sent in of a kid doing the Datsuk move saying he learned it from one of my YouTube videos. Like, I went crazy when <laughs> that kid sent me that. It was so sick being like, are you serious? Like, I, like, helped you with that? And then, like, after that, I got more and more. And, you know, just being able to get those is, is insane. And, uh... And then the other ones that are, you know, re really uh, close to my heart or when a kid tells me, you know, I inspired him to train harder. Like that little, little bit is, is huge, you know, to be able to ignite a kid, uh, you know, give him the passion to work hard to get to a point where his, his hands are, are better, his hockey game in general is better is, you know, a, a huge thing. And I think when I started my, my YouTube channel, that was kind of the number one goal was to set myself in a position where I could inspire kids to just do their best. Because in the end, it doesn't matter what you have, it's what you do with what you have and how you do it. So um, to be in a position to 
uh, inspire kids is the the greatest thing. And when I get those fan emails from, from people saying I inspired them to, you know, do this drill or that drill or work hard and create their own drills is, is the best thing in the world to me. <laughs> See, that in and of itself is such a beautiful lesson too because, you know, I've known you for a long time now. And, you know, when we were growing up, everyone, especially, you know, on our team knew that you had – God-given hand-eye coordination. Like, it's just, you know, (laughs) bar none, the best hand-eye coordination of anyone I've ever met. Uh, And that's obviously a testament to, you know, why, uh, why you've been able to have such success. But that mixed with your work ethic is, is really unbelievable, right? And it's, it's so inspirational, the fact that you do have such God-given talent, but you work you know, 10x harder than, uh, than the next guy. And that's obviously led to the, uh, that combined with your passion has led to the success that you've had. So um, that's super inspiring. Let's talk a little bit about uh, in terms of your, your training business that you're running right now, because I'm not sure if a lot of people know, but you're obviously um, doing a lot of, you're doing your YouTube videos, you're working with partners, and then you have your kind of private uh, training sessions that you're running and, you know, you work at hockey schools and stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about that side of your career um, and, you know, what what's going on with that these days. Yeah, so when I, uh, after the videos and stuff like that, uh, a lot of people were asking for private lessons. So when that started happening, I started getting a lot of people emailing me and stuff. So I took, I actually took three months and uh, just started training people that I knew, uh, like as friends, me for free, just to get get good at uh, you know um, explaining something and have it be understood by them, so that they can make the correct. Because you know, having the skill to do something is very different than having the skill to coach somebody. So hmm. it was a it was kind of a learning, pretty steep learning curve for me to learn how to coach. And you know, you do all these 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 studies on how to get the best out of kids, how to, what language to use, like praising effort rather than praising reward, uh, little things like that. So I spent a little while learning all that stuff and then eventually got into uh, teaching a couple clients. I kept it pretty small because I wanted to focus in on them. So did, uh, you know, like three private lessons a week for three different kids and kind of, you know, it was, it was a learning process for me then, like learning Every kid is different, you know. Th- this kid doesn't respond very good to yelling, or this kid, you know, this kid's very sensitive. This and that, um, but eventually, you know, you, you you learn how to do it. You you learn uh, how to get the best out of these people, and um, it, it eventually led to uh, Gretzky Hockey School had had contacted uh, me, and we we did a bit of work uh, work with them. So I I've been to probably I think seven schools with them and that was that was insane like i think like you you know as well as i do when we were growing up you look at wayne gretzky and there's there's god and uh you know it's to to think you're you're working at a school where you know under the gretzky name is is the ultimate so i took that pretty seriously and you know we worked long hours but it was uh you know to have, have that kind of ability to help kids who you know, clearly want to get better. Signed up for Gretzky School was was pretty cool, and meeting his son and and all that was uh, was pretty cool to work with them. But uh, you know, that that's kind of the evolution of things. It's a it's a slow process at the start. You gotta, you know, same thing we talked about with the YouTube videos. Quality is king, and you gotta keep the quality high. Know that what you're saying and 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 how it's being said to a kid really does matter. And 
uh, just always try and uh, do your best with that. So are you traveling around now? Uh, I mean, you're constantly on the road, right? So are you traveling a lot to like different places um, for these private sessions with your, you know, your fans and followers or like you're in New York right now. Like how, how does that, how does that work? Like what are the next couple of months look like for you in terms of travel and are you splitting it? Um, I mean, I can't even imagine how busy you are. Like how do you, how do you find time for all this stuff? I want to get into some productivity stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, like this, this past month was probably pretty crazy. So I was in Toronto, then New York and then Toronto and then New York and then, after New York, we went to, uh, or was it, we went Phoenix and then to LA and then to New York again. And then after New York, <laughs> finally going back to Vancouver and it's all kind of, it's all surrounded, uh, by hockey. So it's all because of this YouTube stuff. So one of them was make an appearance at the sauce hockey cup. That's my clothing sponsor. Um, like, uh, that I kind of got that through YouTube and, one was for uh, in, in Los Angeles. That was a photo shoot and video shoot for Marsblade, this training aid for rollerblades that I love and uh, train on all the time. So I got to do a video shoot with them, which was awesome. And then New York is the private lesson. So working back and forth with this family here, they got their own uh, backyard rink. So it's living the dream, you know, waking <laughs> up, eat, eat, eating your Fruit Loops and then uh, <laughs> going out and and playing some puck, man. Like I'm having fun. They're having fun. We're just, uh, you know, getting on the ice as much as we can. We do off ice on ice and, uh, just hanging out with them and and enjoying it. So it's, that's kind of the, the travel schedule is it, it can be a lot. Like I was just in Nashville, another family who had their own, uh, indoor backyard rink, which is insane. Cause in Nashville, there's like five arenas in all of Nashville and these guys have their own. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, like it, it's one of those things where like, I don't like to do, uh, I don't like to make people pay that much to, you know, fly me out mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll always depend on that. Like, obviously if people can afford it and it's not that big a deal, then I'll say yes, sure. Um, but always try and like keep costs down in, in, in some regard. Cause that's, you know, where I came from, I was using, <laughs> I, I think I was using your skates for two years, getting a hand me down <laughs> from you, getting a hand me down from all these other people. So you're, you know, there's always that side of me that's always trying to keep the cost down and just make sure, uh, you know, hockey's an expensive sport and people can afford it and all that stuff. Love that. I mean, I got to ask then, how do you find time or how do you, like, how do you manage to train, uh, your guys in Japan, like Aito and, and those other guys? Yeah, so we did once he traveled to uh, to Vancouver, uh, and he trained with me there as well as we got him involved in a hockey tournament, and then took him around to various uh, like uh, clubs to do some training uh, with their teams as well. So we got him to like two different teams practicing there and uh, training in a in a tournament with another team there, and then doing individual private lessons with me there. But the Majority of the training I do with Ito is through email, so he'll send me videos uh, via file transfer. I'll look at the videos and then just make some points, send those to his dad, and then um, he'll he'll pass that on to his his son. So we, it's not just game footage. Most of what I look at is his practice footage. He's kind of it's kind of cool because he's like got like the small little alley uh, beside his house that he does a lot of training on on his rollerblades. And that's kind of what I did as a kid as well. So I'm, I'm telling them all the kind of stuff that I did. And just most importantly, always just 
focusing on, uh, you know, how he's doing it and making sure that he's, he's working hard and enjoying himself and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. And then once he was in New York, well, I was in New York, so we had his whole Japanese travel team over to this house here to train on the backyard rink. Uh, the family's pretty awesome here. So they just like welcomed him with open arms and we had a, a training session with me and his entire team. So <laughs> anytime I'm near him, we try and get a little, uh, little session in. You obviously learned so much in terms of like teaching and training. Do you have, um, do you have any like mentors who do this type of stuff? Like guys you've met at Gretzky hockey school who you've, you know, you've learned a lot from, are you, are you studying, you know, a lot of, um, like doing courses or things like that on how to coach or are you studying a lot of, you know, NHL, like game film and stuff or like how, how are you, you know, finding other than your natural talents, like finding knowledge to impart on these kids? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Cause that's probably the thing I take the most seriously is basing my teachings off of, you know, stuff that's actually going to work. Yeah. So I, I watch a ton of NHL stuff. I'm a huge Datsuk fan. So um, I watch a lot of his stuff, you know, the plays that, that work the plays that don't work it's all kind of being analyzed like i'll put in my media player slow it down break it down see how it worked or when it goes wrong why it went wrong uh and stuff like that so it's it's kind of you know watching the game differently i guess is the best way you can put it so whenever i watch an nhl game i'm not just looking for the goals it's about like creating space the game is creating space out there to make these plays and how do players create space so that's kind of, you know, the basis of what I do as a stick handling instructor is looking at how they're using stick handling to uh, generate space out there. Uh, so that's the number one thing I do. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a, a big, like, uh, belief that you, whoever your instructor is or mentor is, you really got to uh, buy into what they're saying and uh, m- most importantly, buy into who they are as a person. So uh, most of the people I base my, I guess, like uh, the people who are the biggest mentors to me were people who were just generally good people and people who cared about what they did and cared about me and my development. So like I look at teachers who I had in high school who I worked the hardest for uh, and they were generally the people who, you know, were uh, uh, just like it di- didn't have much of an ego on them, I guess was the biggest thing. So losing the ego and being able to be a person uh, where you never feel judgment around. There's no bigger, uh, no, no bigger um, growth stunter than having a person that's always uh, making you feel like if you make a mistake, they're going to like ream you out or, or make you feel stupid. Um, So the biggest thing for me as a, as an instructor is to appear non-judgmental and, uh, you know, relay it on the kids that it's, it's okay to make these mistakes so long as you're learning from them. So for, for me in high school, I had a couple of really good teachers who like were like that. They never made me feel judged. You know, they always, uh, f- like wanted the best out of me, but you know, at the same time, were okay with me making mistakes so long as I was getting better. Love it. And in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the productivity and healthy eating stuff, I know that's been something that is, uh, it's always been a really big focus for you, especially in the last, you know, five or six years with like eating super clean. Uh, is that something that you're like, you help the kids with in terms of nutrition? And I'd love to just get your thoughts on, um, 
you know, healthy eating and, and what you do kind of day to day to, um, to stay productive and stay super healthy? Yeah, that's something I, you know, I'm always like, I'm not, I, I never try to appear as a nutrition expert, but definitely, you know, someone who reads a lot and studies a lot about nutrition. And, you know, what, one thing I always try and relay on to people is when you have high energy, uh, you're pretty positive. You know, you're, you're, you're pretty hardworking. You're more likely to correct a mistake when you've made it, uh, and not get frustrated when you have energy level. So to me, the reason I got so involved in healthy eating was because I realized when I had good energy, I was doing my best work. I was more happy, you know, uh, I was getting more out of each training session. I was recovering faster. So just to be able to pass on to someone that like, you know, this kind of food can make you recover faster. This kind of food will, you know, help you be more efficient with your oxygen intake or, or, just, uh, you know, make you feel better energy wise, uh, is something I, I relay on to kids a little bit there. So at the end of every episode, we like to, uh, get everyone's, all of our guests book recommendations, obviously, you know, continuous learning being a big topic of this podcast. Uh, so I'd love to hear if there's any, you know, books that have really impacted you and your career that you've read uh, that you would recommend to people? Yeah, so, you know, keeping it related to what I do as a skills instructor, the biggest book I can recommend to anyone, you know, no matter what field you're in to get better at it is uh, The Talent Code, written by, uh, what's his name, Daniel Coyle. Super good book, talks about how to build uh, talent uh, so he's a guy who went around to all the, the best athletes in the world, the best soccer players in the world, or the best musicians, mathematicians, and studied them, studied how they trained, and kind of wrote a book about it. So he went to all these uh, talent hotbeds and figured out how they got good at what they're doing, and kind of just, uh, you know, went through all the things. So, you know, one of, just for example, one of the things is like deep practice, you know, not just talking about practice uh, in general, like talk about how they're practicing, you know, the amount of failures, the amount of corrections, you know, how they're, how they're looking at the task and, and stuff like that. So really, really awesome book. Uh, there's a follow-up book to that called The Little Book of Talent, which is 52 tips on building talent. So they'll talk about like uh, living the Spartan lifestyle versus the luxury lifestyle so that you, you know you haven't made it yet. You know, you're training in these gyms that are kind of ratty and ugly versus <laughs> these like high-class places. Because, you know, psychologically, you know, when you're, training in a place that's super awesome and looks beautiful it's like you kind of feel like you've made it whereas you know when people are in these dungeon style gyms it's like they need to work to get out of that so that they can enjoy the luxury things so it's like little stuff like that i think makes a big difference so that book's really awesome for that um one of my all-time favorite books the power of habit that talks about uh habit formation you know like biologically speaking how is a habit formed uh and how to uh, rewire your uh, brain basically by, uh, you know, fixing the, the bad habits. So they talk about like the, the thing that you see that triggers uh, a habit and then there's the routine and then there's re the reward that they call a habit loop. And yeah, they talk about how habits are formed and, you know, how to, um, you know, basically make good habits so that you have a better life. I mean, you, when you break it down, you know, we, we do a lot of things uh, in our life, lives that are just, just habit, you know, whether it's checking our phone when it beeps or, you know, reading reading your book before you go to bed. That's all habit formation, and it takes a little while to build them. But once you build your habits, your habits take you. And it's 
it's really important to to really um, dive into those and and create the strong habits that are going to uh, allow you to have the success that you you want. You know, to build those things. Um, another one is the power of now, which you know, I think a few people might be a bit uh, hesitant to read something like that because it might have a heavy like spiritual thing. But basically, it just talks about the importance of staying present in whatever you do and not letting the mind wander. So, you know, whether you're like, you know, training with stick handling, you know, you can't have your mind on your homework or your girlfriend or whatever. You got to, you know, stay stay in the moment and, you know, uh, in whatever you're doing, you got to have your full focus on what you're doing so that you can get the most out of it. So it's, it's a, that's a really good book. And then there's a subsequent book to that because it's not easy putting that into practice. So it's called (laughs) practicing the power the power of now, which, which helps you, uh, put that into practice. Cause it's not easy, you know, especially in our age where there's so many goddamn distractions. Like it's, it's so hard to stay in the moment these days. Um, but that's really the most important thing. And, you know, when you think about it, that's when we're at our happiest, when we're actually fully in the moment and we're not worrying about these things, uh, that we're, you know, we can't control. Um, What's the other book? There's a yeah. There's another book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan, so that talks about the subconscious mind, the power of snap decisions. Uh, really, really cool book to help understand your brain and how uh, how like you know quick decisions can actually be the best ones for you. Uh, Outliers, really cool book, talks about you know birth year and when you're born and how that kind of plays a factor into uh, you know how good you get at at something and um, uh, just like a, a really cool book to help people understand, uh, you know, what you need to do to make it into what, whatever you want to do. Lastly, I guess, just out of my own curiosity, what's next for Pavel Barber? What's, uh, you know, I've, from all the stuff you talked about, it seems like, you know, maybe starting your own, I guess, expanding the training company or maybe getting into your own, you know, hockey school stuff, um, that seems like it would be right up your alley. But what's kind of your vision for, you know, the next uh, next couple of years and what you're really hoping to accomplish? Yeah, you know, it's for me, there's not a whole lot of planning because a, a lot of what I do is just like you do what you do, you do it well, and then when the opportunity presents itself, you, you take it. But, uh, you know, in the future, I definitely see the hockey school becoming something I'm going to I'm going to do, uh, really, really passionate about, about starting that. I can't wait. I know it's going to happen. Just not sure when I really want to have it set up so I can do everything properly and have the biggest impact on the kids and do it well. So hopefully in the next year or two, I'll have my own small Pavel Barber school and then kind of expand it along the way. Uh, in terms of video production, uh, I'm hoping to make it big with GoPro and, uh, you know, on a, on a bigger scale, make bigger videos for them. Uh, so I'm just going to do the best I can with video production for them and, uh, you know, really just uh, push out a lot of content that people are going to love and, and can't get anywhere else. That's a wrap, folks. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Pavel Barber and the beautiful sounds of John Cena. Had to throw a, uh, a little WWE reference in there with the track since Barber's always been a huge wrestling fan. Um, make sure to keep in touch with Barb's on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Uh, there's links in the show notes here. And of course, keep in touch with Hunter and Craft. We've got lots of good stuff coming up this year. 
Our best thing is our weekly newsletter called The Bullet. goes out every Wednesday morning with our top articles and reads from around the web. Really highly recommend that you subscribe to it because we're putting a lot of great work in there. Until next time, take care, guys.